Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. I always ask myself questions when I want to understand why we do things. And, and so simply I ask, why do we praise and worship? And how do we praise and worship? And what are the benefits to our lives? And so I just want to have a look briefly at this, this topic here. Why do we praise and worship? And like I said this morning, the very good reason that he is worthy. He is worth it. He is worthy. He is almighty God. He is our ever-loving loving Father. He is the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He never has and he never will die. He, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. We worship him because he is totally worthy of our worship. And if you never do anything else in life but worship God... If you started from when you were a child and worked all the way through, you could never worship him enough because he is completely and utterly worthy. And, and it's, just, it's just what we do <laughs> as his children and as his people. We worship him because he is worthy. And how do we do it? Matthew 22, 37 says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your soul and all your strength. This is how we worship him also. There's lots of different words that describe the different types of worship, acts of worship. And um, there's a scripture that says, um, come, let us worship, Psalm 95 and verse 6, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. That is an act of worship. And David was a great man of God who loved to worship. He played. And when you look at all the Psalms, he sang, he, he, he encouraged us to shout and to, to play loudly on instruments. And then there's also to, to bow down in gentle reverence and quiet. There's, there's this um, understanding that, that worship is more than just a song. That uh, Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2, it says, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reason, a reasonable act of worship. So we can present, simply presenting ourselves, giving our lives. This was written at a time when they understood animal sacrifice. And this wasn't, this, was, this is not a static religious uh, ritual. This is, we are living sacrifices, you know. We go on to praise him. We go on to live in every moment of our lives. When you consecrate that to God, it's an act of worship. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise. You know, some of these, these mornings um, on early Sunday morning, I know the worship team do a brilliant job. They get up and uh, a lot earlier than us and they're here an hour or half before we are. And that's a sacrifice of praise for some of them. It's like the bed is more comfortable than standing up here. And, you know, it, and in recent months, it's, weeks, it's been warmer. But this is an also a sacrifice of praise. It's, a, it's an extension of, um, of our worship. And, and God inhabits the praises of his people. This is another scripture that, um, that has uh, the benefits. I'll move on to why... Um, how um, I'll talk a little bit more about the um, the different types of worship, and uh, it, it strengthens our relationship with God and positions us to receive. 
relationship with God. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. And when you develop this, it can be as simple as, as talking. I, I um, have a favourite chair at home that I sit in and I often imagine the Holy Spirit sitting beside me or the, or the Lord Jesus himself and, and I, just, I just talk. <laughs> and if anybody saw me, they'd you know, think I'm nuts. But it's just a conversation because I, I feel his presence at times. There's been many times in my life when I've had surgery and I have literally, you know, when you're waiting, when you're all prepped and ready to go, and I have literally felt his presence walk in, come around the side and take me by the hand. And I know that I know that I know that he's with me. And his Holy Spirit has seen me through. That was in January this year when I had that surgery on my neck and for thyroid removed. And, you know, he... And so when I feel his presence like that, I, it's a, as an act of worship, an extension of I will talk and pray and have a conversation, a simple conversation about what you feel and what's going on. And that leads me to my next point of how, how do we pray, for example, in um, Philippians 4, verses 4 through to 7, it gives you a little blueprint on how to pray. And it starts off as rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gladness be evident to, for, to all, for the Lord is near. And it says, number one, do not be anxious about anything. But what do we do with our anxieties? Pray about everything. It says, don't sit and be anxious and, and fret and go over and over it in your mind and heart and try and work it out. And then it says, in every situation, um, but pray about it through prayer and petition. Now, this is being specific, writing it down and putting a date even and, and writing down what it is that you're asking. And, and, then, we, and then you can celebrate when there is uh, an answer. With thanksgiving... There's another point. When we pray with thanksgiving, we're putting faith into it. Faith that God hears us. I have never seen Jesus with my own natural eyes. I wish I could. I've never seen an angel. I've never even seen heaven. I've never seen any of it. But I know his presence and I know his love and, his, and, and he's been with me all those times. And, and having that simple conversational type prayer where you give it naturally to God and you don't have to go through and write lists and tick and flick and make, make it an anxiety <laughs> about your prayer life. But just simply giving it to God, bringing our request to him. And then he says, present it to me. Um, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's like a, a taking off it, my yoke, and I'm handing it to you, Lord. I'm concerned about my, you know, my, my uncles, my cousins, my children, like, you know, what the, the financial situation we're in. Whatever the need is, present it to God. And then, in verse 7, it says, and then the peace of God that goes, it transcends all understanding, Scripture says, will guard your heart and your minds as you trust in Christ Jesus. This is a blueprint of, of how, how to pray and, and to bring those um, anxieties, fears, whatever the need is, bring it to God and petition, be specific with thanksgiving. That's faith involved. And then let that peace, let the peace of God um, fill your mind and your heart. 
as you trust in Christ Jesus. Another um, thing that happens, a benefit to what happens when we pray, is that love begins to grow. Have you ever tried to pray for someone and stay angry with that person? It just doesn't work. Not for long. You know, and you might tell the Lord about, you know, why you're upset. But before long, you start to melt and you start to feel insight and compassion for that person will come. And if you pray long enough, love will come. (laughs) Love will come for that person. So that if you've got an issue with someone who's grading you the wrong way, where you're in a community where you can't escape them, whether it's at work or transformations or somewhere, you know, pray for that person and watch out. The love will come and the irritations, you won't see that immediately. You'll begin to, to feel a, um, a love for them and, uh, and, and see how God um, turns that around for good. There's prayers of of believers' prayer of agreement. That's why we get you to break into groups because the Bible says we're two or more. Agree on anything in my name, I'll do it. There's believers' prayer of agreement and that's powerful. And there's also um, the corporate prayer. When we pray as a united body, there's power and anointing in his his name and in his presence. And there's also a... um, a real freedom and liberty that comes um, when, we, when we pray over and for one another. And then there's also prayers of impartation where we pray and set people aside. That's the elders and the leaders and the spiritual leaders. And that's not for everybody to do. That's why we, we call people out the front and they might be set aside for, for ministry and, uh, and an impartation takes place where, where something of the anointing that's on them is transferred into that person. And so we are, um, we're careful about that, and, uh, that so that it's a safe place for you. So Colossians 3 and verse 13, it talks about forgiveness and bearing with one another in love, like I was saying. And then it says, "Let in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since we are all members of one body, we are called to peace and to be thankful. And, and then it goes down, it says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly and teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and encourage one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Now, there's a few different types of songs there. There's psalms. I love the psalms. David was a worshipper's worshipper. <laughs> he loved God and he worshipped and developed this relationship with God beautifully. And he wrote many great psalms. So if you look at it, these are different types of songs that we use in, in praise and in worship. If you've got psalms, um, that's... That's obviously we're singing straight from the word. And we do that. A lot of the songs are written, some of them are quoted straight out of the scripture. So we sing the Psalms or we sing the scripture. Hymns are kind of like songs that other people have wrote, that they have written to describe the character of God, to describe how they love him and their own experience. We sing those. We sing songs from all over, all different places, um, around the world, and and so they're, they're like our modern-day hymns. 
And then there are spiritual, um, spiritual songs. This is where we sing a song in spirit. You might hear one of the singers, they'll just lead out. And sometimes you'll hear them sing in tongues first. I do that a lot. I, I love to sing in tongues. And we might say we sing in the spirit. And that's been something that I have developed from when I was 18. And, and, it's, and it just, it's my way of connecting into God's presence and, to, and, and, and receiving a download of, of, of wisdom and what he wants to say, what he wants to do. And sometimes I just sing that out over people and, and then I get um, wisdom as to what, is, what to pray for for that person. They're spiritual songs, and I really encourage you when when um, the worship leader says, sing your own song to the Lord, sing in the Spirit. That's what we're asking you to do. Sing in tongues. Try it. You'll be amazed. <laughs> it, it edifies you, and there's a power that's released, and, and, and there's a corporate anointing that comes over all of us, and it releases the prophetic. Every time, bam, this prophetic is released. So we've got, we've got psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to the Lord with gratitude in our hearts. And this is how we edify. This is how we build one another up. And then always giving thanks to God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. That's the, the main, you know, the, the blueprint in the name of Jesus is where our power and authority comes from. Just, um, just to finish, I, I was reading through... Um, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel in um, my readings, and I came across the story of Michal or Michelle. Um, and she was a woman, um, she was a, a, a strong-willed woman with, with strong emotions, but was living in a time where she was unable to control the circumstances of her life, important circumstances of her life. Her father, Saul, King Saul, um, married her off to David to use her as a, um, a, a, a voice like that, that he could control David through her. And um, this, this is a time when women were nothing more than property and it was dreadful, dreadful time to be alive for anybody, but particularly for a woman. And, um, but she was secretly in love with David, King David, and this is why when Saul realised this, he thought, oh, I could use this to my advantage. And, uh, and so he, he put her in there. But then he also forcibly removed her from David, whom she, she did love, and, and married her off to somebody else. And then pulled her out of that relationship. And she became a bitter person from, from what had happened to her. And even though you know, she was very um, jealously obsessive of David and warned him a few times of his father's, her father's intentions to kill him, she, she, her, the love that she developed, I watched it and I'm thinking, is it just a young woman's infatuation? Is it just lust? Because what happened in, in later verses that took place, it showed a little bit to my mind um, and I did a little bit of commentary reading and studying in my study Bible. And it appears that, um, see, David, as I said, was a worshipper. And he, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back 
it was a massive celebration. It was like the biggest victory of all victories and a huge honour to have the presence of God back in Israel, back in the house of God, back together with them. And he was beside himself. He was dancing and flipping and jumping and running and he didn't care. He was the king of Israel and he didn't care what he looked like. And Michelle or Mikel was not joining in the celebrations. There's my first point. She was a spectator from her bedroom window up high and she was looking down and thought, oh, how the king makes a fool of himself in front of the maidens. And she despised him. And all the love that she had quickly turned, which makes me think, was it really love or was it just lust? He was a handsome soldier, a successful soldier and a king in his own right. And instead of being down there with the people, worshipping and celebrating, she was just a spectator from above and an armchair critic. And she became all this accumulation of bad stuff that had happened to her. It began to accumulate and it caused her to be a, a root of bitterness grow in her and it sprung up and defiled her. And when David came in and into um, the, the marital bedroom and, and she was waiting for him <laughs> and she gave him an earful and uh, what a fool you looked like today, flinging yourself around and all the, the young maidens looking at you, you know. And, but David was lost in worship. He didn't do that to try and impress anybody. He wasn't trying to do anything but worship God and he was so so grateful for what God had brought back his presence to, with them and what this meant to them he tried to explain to her what this meant to him that and she just wouldn't hear of it and from that time on the bible says that that uh, she there was no relationship between them that she became barren and there was no life in her no life anymore. She became a very sad, bitter woman. And, and I got the impression that, you know, um, it's sad to see that happen um, to Mikhail. But, you know, any one of us can become like that when we, we spectate, when we sit back and, and, and you sit on the sidelines. You know, all the experts are on the sidelines of a footy match, aren't they? <laughs> all the armchair critics. Like, oh, they should have gone. Oh, they should have gone forward there. Oh, they should have brought in the spares. You know, like they've, they've got all the wisdom, all the armchair critics, you know. And it's no different in the church. Hello, we're just people. And, but if you find, if you, if you do less of the armchair critic and just be more like David... And don't care what you look like. Don't care who's watching or who's not. And just worship him from a pure heart of gratitude, of appreciation of who he is and for what he's done for you in thanksgiving and just in love and, and honour. You'll find you will enjoy church a whole lot more. <laughs> you will enjoy life a whole lot more. When this attitude of gratitude continues in you so that it grows to become you, it becomes your lifestyle. So that everything you do, like in Romans 12 that I said, um, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper act of worship. 
so that we become living sacrifices. So I encourage you tonight, just as I finish there, we praise him because he's worthy. We worship him because he is so worth it. We worship him with all our mind, with all our heart, with our soul and our strength. We pray to develop and strengthen our relationship with God. The benefits of praising and worship is that God inhabits the praises of his people and it positions you to receive from him whether what miracle you need. It shifts the atmosphere. Hello. When there's an evil presence, you start praising God and it will shift the atmosphere like a clean breeze blowing through the place. And like Paul and Silas, they started praising God in the prison, all beaten up and and hurt. And the the shift that took place made an earthquake. And uh, don't be a spectator, be a participator. So let's praise him with everything we've got. Amen. (laughs) Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.